Welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Elijah Fire, episode 301. That's right, we've crossed over the threshold. Thank you, everybody who showed their love and support on Friday for our 300th episode extravaganza Q&A. Uh, we just love you guys. Um, and it's just so great to hear from all of you guys, your testimonials, amazing questions, both serious and funny. Um, it was just a great time hanging out with you. I, I had to kind of like force it to end. Uh, it was like two hours of just hanging out with you guys and talking and um, answering your guys' questions and reading your comments and um, showing off my cat, Lulu. Um, yeah, I kind of had to like just pull ourselves away from it. I was like, I could have done this for a couple more hours, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, so um, today is Monday 9-11 actually, uh, which is a crazy, crazy day um, in history. But it is also just so happens to be our two-year anniversary. So as of today, uh, we have been doing Elijah Fire for exactly two years. We debuted on, it was back when we used to do two days a week, pre-recorded, and we would premiere them on Saturdays and Sundays. And so it was on a Saturday, and I'll never forget, it was actually Sean Foyt was doing a big um, Let Us Worship event uh, on the uh, the National Mall in Washington, D.C. Um, on the same day. And I remember thinking, we're never going to compete with this, because there was like thousands of people watching but it was also just a memorable memorable day for us because we were premiering that day. So um, also anytime you guys donate to ElijahStreams.com slash donate, all proceeds go towards, go towards keeping this free at five days a week. We love that. We love free, uh, but also we uh, take a portion of every donation and we put it into our water well efforts. We've partnered with Show Mercy International, Mike and Lori Sally, amazing, amazing believers um doing amazing things and it's just an honor to be able to partner with them so we're actually looking at getting both of them on the show because they're just great people they're awesome i got to hang out with them in israel um just great people so would love to uh share get, you know share them with you guys get them to share their hearts a little bit more because uh, you guys hear me talking about this these water well efforts uh, we actually got a brand new episode so or a brand new episode brand new water roll update so we're going to play that and then we're going to get going every day people in africa are faced with an impossible decision dirty water or no water at all no one should have to make that choice together we can help by providing clean water wells Donate online at ElijahStreams.com slash donate or mail a check today to Elijah Streams, 525 2nd Avenue Southwest, Suite 629, Albany, Oregon, 97321. So thank you guys again. I just got a note from Illumination that Mike and Lori Sally will be actually be on this Thursday. Hot diggity dog. So it's going to be great. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to hanging out with them. They're super great. Um, all right. Speaking of super great, super great today. Um, she's really got a finger on the pulse of a lot of what God is is doing within the church. She's actively living out, implementing, kind of reorienting old structures, incorporating in new wineskin stuff. She's been talking a lot about that when she's been on the show. Uh, she's a really gifted teacher as well. 
an amazing leader. And she's also the leader of Revive the Way. Let's give it up for our guest today, Rayma Trainer. Rayma! Hey, how are you? Good. Welcome back Thank to you. Elijah Fire. How is your uh, how's your summer been? It's been pretty wild and crazy. It was wild and crazy. It was literally wild and crazy. I was in Australia for about a month and then we were um, in the UK um, and then in Wales and then came back. Um, I'll be in Australia again in a couple of weeks. Wow. And it's just, it's been a really busy time. Um, we had some crazy situation in LA where like all of our passports got stolen like oh, yeah. on our way to the airport kind of thing. Yeah. That was wild. I don't know if you saw that. Yes. But um, then they were returned, like, while we were at the airport, somebody drove, like, found the bag, drove it to LAX and gave us back our passports, like, found us on Facebook. Like, it was, it's a wild story. That is wild. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was a terrible, um, but also kind of amazing situation, like, you know, when something like just the worst happens and then like people gather with prayer and intercession and then like God teaches you a little thing through it, which, you know, it's like anything that happens in our lives is a prophetic narrative and something God is showing us and teaching us through the experience. So, yeah. Um, and it's a way to try, you know, it's it, trying, you know, it, it's character building. Absolutely. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. It's just like, I don't know those types of moments are for me are always like, is you know uh how much do you trust him you know it's like those moments where you're like okay here's an opportunity for me to really practice everything that i say i believe you know um yeah yeah absolutely sure. i mean my kids were like we're praying in the car like give us back our things you know and it was like teaching them also she's like why would someone take our things you know because we actually yeah. watched a video of somebody coming into the car breaking into the car taking our stuff. Like there was the video from the place where it got stolen. And, um, my kids were really like upset, you know, cause they, they like, they feel violated to like somebody's stolen our stuff. And, um, we were praying in the car, like, well, let's just pray. Let's ask God to convict them. Let's pray that they would return our things. And, um, and so like, it was the same day that, I mean, everything except like a little bit, like they stole my whole backpack, but they kept my computer, but they did return the passports, like all six of them that by that evening, they didn't return, but they threw it out the window. Somebody found it. Like who finds a bag and opens it in LA? Like there could be like anything in there. Right. So right. It was, and the guy who returned it, like literally his name meant the grace of God. Wow. Isn't that crazy? He was a tourist and like, he had like an interesting name. And so we looked it up. I was like, what does his yeah. name mean? And it was like, it was like, God is gracious. Yeah. Wow. Just a it was a beautiful experience. My kids were really like, wow, like God listens. Like, uh -huh. you know, like it was like a powerful experience for them just as much as it was for me. Mm -hmm. I was actually like way more devastated because I had my Bible in that bag. I was kind of like, forget the passports. You know, like, I, I like the Bible. It's got my notes in it. <laughs> if I only pick one thing to be returned, it was my Bible because yeah. it, it's been like my history with God. And obviously, you know, paper isn't your history with God, but like, no, I got you. You know, it's, it's just, yeah, it was so meaningful to me. Like I was not even crying about the passports. Like when I realized my Bible was in the bag, like I lost the plot, you know? Yeah. But I got my Bible back. Praise God. Yeah. Well, even just the fact that you guys got your passports back 
all of them is kind of a it's a miracle in and of itself because yeah that those are a hot commodity in the uh the old criminal world right. so black market i've heard yeah much about it but i'm sure yeah. it's yeah. viable yeah for sure yeah with bibles though it's like any bible that i i have i've uh, i've had three in my life that i've you know different stages of my life but it's it's interesting because yeah i do memorize scripture but then there's also that you just know where something is on a page totally. on that specific Bible, you know, yeah. and it's like, and then there's notes that only you and God know what they only mean. Me. And totally. sometimes only God does because I forget, <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, I don't know what I meant here when I wrote this like, must have been amazing because I wrote it in the Bible, you know? Um, but yeah, so. Totally. I have yeah. like pages and pages of just like revelation and encounters and just like, you know, it's like nobody can, nobody can give that back to you. You know, it's yeah. just like, right. that was like an encounter. That so like, you did get the Bible back. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Nice. But it's like, I couldn't reproduce, you know, it's like so much wealth of just like my experience with God. Yeah. So mm -hmm. getting that back was just like everything. Yeah. <laughs> come on. Come on. All right. Well, Rama, you have um, a word you just released to your community, um, but it's called the year of the open door. And I'm really, really excited to hear about this, hear this because I, I have not heard this. I don't know what the, this is. So I'm going to turn it over to you and then we're going to just, we're going to converse. For sure. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, typically my, you know, what I, what I've been talking about often when I've come on the show has been a lot about, you know, we're in transition, churches in transition, like God is doing a new thing, you know, like people almost like, it's like almost like a beating a drum at this point. It's a new wine skin. You know, uh -huh. People are just like, okay, we're in a new wine skin. Got it. Yeah. Um, but it's like, yeah, like the church as we know, it has been in a transition, right? We've been in this like three-year period that I think most people would be able to recognize you know most prophetic people know that we've been in like this three-year period as a church mm -hmm. where things have been being reset things have been being realigned god's been speaking to a lot of people that you know he's he's changing us he's taking us to a new place and about three years ago i had uh i had an encounter with god where he told me to start paying attention to the jewish years before okay. that i was not Actually, I wasn't very like attentive to that um, or even much teaching in that space. And um, that year, he, which was in um, the beginning of 2021. So this was probably around like January or February of 2021. Okay. When God said, I want you to start paying attention. Um, and then I was like, yeah, done. I, I'll do that. And so he said the next three years, which the... Rosh Hashanah, which is what's coming up this weekend, actually, September 15th. Oh, yeah. um, Rosh Hashanah is the head of the year, um, according to you know the Hebrew calendar. So every Rosh Hashanah, we, we click over into the Jewish New Year. And yeah, there's a few different Jewish New Years because of just different things. But basically, Rosh Hashanah is considered the head of the year, and you go over into the next year. And so um, I also hadn't really studied very much Hebrew at that point either. And still, I'm a total novice in Hebrew. Don't like, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not, I don't know Hebrew, but I did start, you know, studying lightly at that point and learned a bit about, you know, the Hebrew character system, the ancient Hebrew characters, 
Um, the the hieroglyphic, you know, basically it's like hieroglyphics when you like think about like an Egyptian, you know, hieroglyphics and stuff. It's kind of like that, right? Where every Hebrew character has a hieroglyphic that's attached to it. It has a numerical value. Like Hebrew is just out of this world. Dude, it's crazy. Yeah. It is crazy. Like for anyone who's uh, studied it at all, you kind of like, like look at it a little and you're like, whoa, like there's so much in this. Yeah, it's deep deep yeah Yeah. like so deep like i follow a couple like different uh rabbis and stuff and they'll just be like do you know why this one letter matters like in eighteen thousand ways and you're like oh my gosh like my mind is blown Mm. and so god started having me pay a lot more attention and for for many years actually probably for about seven years god has been leading us and um even in our communities to host you know passover and to you know to to go into the jewish heritage and not not out of religion at all. Like, it's not like if you don't do this, you're in trouble or you're bad or God doesn't, you know, whatever. But it's really been just to rediscover, which so much of my, you know, life and message, and I feel like what God has cultivated in me is about going back to the ancient past, like rediscovering, like, who are we as the people of God? Mm -hmm. Like, that's what my heart is for the church to come back to who we really are. Um, And so when God said, start studying the Hebrew years, I want you to pay attention to the three-year cycle the church is in. And so I said, all right, I will do that. So the first year was pay bet. And that's two Hebrew characters, pay and bet. We're, we're in the, the basically the um, decade of pay, which is a letter in the, the hieroglyphic, the character for that, um, or the hieroglyphic for that is the mouth. It's to declare, to, to, to say. All right. And then basically, what, as you go through the decade, you'll have then the next letter is insinuating what that year is. So the, at, from uh, 21 to 22, September, we went from into pay, uh, it was pay bet. So the letter bet is the symbol of like a tent or a house. And so he was saying this first year, it's the year to declare that the church is coming home. Hmm. And I was wow. like, okay. And so he said the church is coming home. And then the second year was 22 into 23. So last year. And he said, I want you to declare that it's time for the church to gather and walk. Hmm. So the gathering, because that gam is the, the symbol of the foot. And it means to gather and to begin to walk. And then he said, this year, which is pay doll, which um, the symbol for doll is a door frame, like a doorpost. And it's the year of the open door. It's an open door frame. And he said, I want you to declare that it's time to enter. And he said, this is the progression that I'm bringing the church through, uh, you know, a time of basically like molding and shaping, you know, I'm going to declare that it's time to return home. We're going to begin to gather and walk in it. But now is the time where the body is really going to begin to enter that reality. Mm -hmm. And so he began to, you know, I began to just kind of follow that track for the last couple of years and just leaning into God. And what does that mean for even the track of my ministry and, and what we're doing? Because if God is saying it's time to enter, it's like, okay, cool. So what is it time to enter? Like what, right. what the that was my question. Yeah. Right. And so in that progression, he was talking to me about, you know, what we understand now is like the new wineskin. Like it's, it's the church is actually going to begin to function and enter into this new reality in the year, you know, which is 80, uh, 5784 in the Hebrew calendar. 
And so this is the time where we're not just kind of gathering about it. We're not just talking about it. We're not just kind of beginning to inch into it, but I really believe there's going to be a mass transfer beginning this year where we begin to see the church really operating and fleshing out the new. Um, And so as we're coming up to the year of the open door, you know, it was like, I was like, especially in certain movements, you hear um, the saying, you know, the door is the floor, you know, like humility, you know, prayer and, you know, just being in that place of humility before God. And, um, and I was asking God, I was like, all right, what do you want me to be talking about this year? Like, what is the message? And, um, you know, outside of entering the new wineskin, beginning to really function, I believe in new ways as the body, but there's a way that we enter into that. And it's not just through humility and like prayer and, you know, laying on the floor, but he said, the door is in the floor, but the floor is not the door. And he said, I want you to remember what is the door. And obviously John 10, Jesus said, I am the door. Mm -hmm. I am the door. Right. And even as we've talked about, um, you know, in past, and as I've talked about, like Jesus himself is the revelation of the church. It's not some new way to gather. It's not fivefold ministry. It's not house church. Jesus himself is the revelation and the message of the church. Hmm. Now, of course there are like good ways to do things. Of course, there's like better ways to, to mature and to become like him and to, you know, to have leadership and all these different things. But these are peripheral issues to the main door, which we enter through. Right. And so he started really taking me in John 10, you know, I am the door. There is no other way to enter. And, you know, as we know, we've been in a season where many have entered the church some other way. (laughs) And yeah, through, you know, the, the sacrifice, the blood of Jesus, which I'll talk about in a few minutes. It's kind of a heavy, it's kind of like a heavy message, but it's really good Yeah, because it's like, it, this really has to do with like God purifying the church. It's a sifting mm. because we're going to enter, but really only those who enter the right way. <laughs> mm. And that's where the sifting is going to come because there is a true church and there is a false church. And without the pressure externally applied to the church, which we know this in history, right? Without pressure, you can't really see who's who. Right. Yeah. When the pressure comes, it forces, it forces the the dividing lines to -hmm. come out. You know, and I believe that God is using the pressure of the current moment we find ourselves in, like in the world. And I believe that that will intensify over the next three years. And so the pressure that we are finding ourselves in is actually pressing us to reveal what we're really made of and who we're really in Hmm. or not. Right. Um, And really that that revelation of Christ, you know, I've talked before about like the Exodus three encounter, I think I've talked about it in this space, but the Exodus three encounter of, of Yahweh, you know, where you have Moses and he's about to go in to save the Israelites to rescue them. And he basically has the burning bush encounter and he sees the, the fire, you know, and, um, 
you know, and he looks at the fire and he, he proclaims, you know, when he says, I am who I am, my name is Yahweh, essentially, if you break it down. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. So he says, my name is Yahweh Vav Hey. So there's four letters. And again, those symbols, when we were talking about Hebrew, what those symbols actually mean, because Yahweh Vav Hey isn't a word, like how we say Yahweh. It's not it wasn't a word. It's like a, it's an acronym. Like it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. It's just consonants hmm. next to each other. Yeah. But these consonants next to each other mean behold the nail, behold the outstretched arm. Yahweh. That is my name. The name you are to forever call me. That's what that Let means. Me generations. Dang. Yeah. So when Jesus is revealed, right? There's an encounter that takes place in that fire, right? With Moses. And that, that is the revelation of the name, right? The Mm. name, the revelation of God as a personal God comes through the encounter, the, 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 the viewing of Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus. Like that's actually the only personal name. (laughs) Mm. And there's, there's a lot more in that one thing. Well, yeah, my <laughs> that's like dense, man. Yeah, that's because I instantly was like, okay, well, it's written. That's written, and Jesus is the fulfillment of that, and He's the Word made flesh, right? So it's like, I mean, like, man, that's yeah. Anyways, There's a lot. I mean, yeah. you can you can preach for a couple hours on Jesus beholding Christ. Yeah, you know, and how that is the door to anything so when jesus says i'm the door like no one comes to the father except through me there's no salvation outside of through the sacrifice um in john 11 you know we have the story of lazarus when he's resurrected from the dead but the story doesn't really start like that um for those who know the story and those who don't i'll just kind of skim through it a little bit i won't read all of it but Essentially, in John 11, Jesus uh, hears that Lazarus is sick. Now, he's really close to Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. Um, You know, they are very close. And Jesus hears, Lord, the one you love is sick. In other words, like, hey, like, priority. (laughs) Like, we're in relationship. Like, get over here. He's sick. And, like, he's apparently pretty sick because everybody's like, he's going to die. Like, he's sick. Mm -hmm. Right? And a picture in scripture when we see the word sick is also, you know, a template for sin. You know, it's like a foreshadow, like sickness, sin, right? So sin leads to death. Um, So he's sick, right? And then when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory that God's son may be glorified through it. So then it says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. (laughs) So he loves them. So he didn't go. Then he says, let's go back to Judea. And then Jesus says, you know, okay, yes, we're going back. Um, Okay, in verse 11, he goes on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. And they're like, what do you mean he's just asleep? He'll probably find them. And Jesus is like, let me tell you plainly, Lazarus is dead, right? In verse 14. 
He says, for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. So you may believe, but let us go to him. Now, the interesting thing is Jesus was only like about a 40 minute walk away. He's only two miles away. So when he hears Lazarus is dead or, or Lazarus is sick and he stays where he's at for a few more days, like, it's not like he like couldn't just get over there. He chose right. not going. He has to die first. Right. So the excuse is not, well, it was so far away that he couldn't have gotten there. Like right. that actually he could have. Of course. Yeah. It, it, he, he didn't say like, well, you know, I'm sorry we didn't get here in time and he died. So I need to resurrect him. Yeah. He said, no, we need to wait till he's dead. Yeah. That's... Then we're going to go once he's already all the way dead. Gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> and so when he arrives, you can see then the strange treatment by Martha and Mary, you know, because it says that like it was Martha who uh, sent word to him. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was Martha, the one who sends word. Lazarus is sick. And so she knows where he's at. She knows he's not, you know, in some foreign country that he's two miles away. And so, yeah, like they're, they're a little bit confused, like when he finally shows up, right? Because they're wait, he was waiting for Lazarus to all the way die. And even worse, it says Jesus found when he gets there, right? Like he's been in the tomb for four days. So he waited till he was like dead, dead. Yeah, you know, real, really, really dead, real dead. Like, yeah. can you imagine just your, your like mind trying to process, like, don't you love me? Like, what well, especially seeing Jesus do amazing things. They were very well aware of that. Yeah. And, and like, for him to not respond. Yeah. Yeah. Why not for us? The ones you love, right? Uh -huh. Like we're close relationships to you and you're healing all these people and raising people from the dead and you're, you know, and then here we are right. and he's dead. It's over, you know, but and then Jesus says, you know, your brother will rise again. Um, and Martha's like, I know he'll rise in the last day. And, and this is when Jesus reveals, right, the I am statements. There's the seven I am statements through John where Jesus reveals, you know, who he is. Like, I am, like, I am the door, right? But then I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am, um, you know, like, goes through seven different statements here. But this is when he goes through, I am the resurrection and the life, verse 25. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So he's saying to her, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. So first comes death and the ones who die can then live in me. And those who are living in me will never die. So in other words, there's a death you can choose that happens in this side, or there's a death that you won't choose that happens on the other side. But the only way to life is through the choice to die. <laughs> the allowance of death to take place in this life that we might enter into his life. That is entering into the new, right? Entering into his body, his life, the oneness of Christ, right? John 17, I pray that they would be one, his body, that we would come into him, but the only way into him is through death to self, that we might find his life and through his life, we never die. And so he waits till Lazarus is already dead, obviously. And then he says, you know, Lazarus come out, he comes out and he lives again, take off all the grave clothes, let him go. 
right? So then there's this process of him coming back to life, but then also taking off all the things that resemble death, which is our process in Christ as well. When we're raised to new life, we take off the grave clothes that resemble dying, that resemble the death that we've taken, that's taken place because we have to now live in him. But the year of the open door, the year of the threshold, right? When we talk about doors, there's so much about doors in scripture, right? We, we understand the threshold through the, the lens of Passover, right? The death that you enter into, right? What, it, what does it say in Exodus 12, right? Dip the hyssop in the blood at the threshold, smear it on the doorpost, and death will pass over your homes. All right. So the threshold is where we die. This is why everybody has been in a, a season of consecration is what I call it. A season of consecration, a season of death to self, because, you know, not all of us die all the way in, in the Western American church. Like there's kind of been this, this way yeah. that we could still be Christians culturally without true death taking place. Well, and I don't even know if it's like, uh, I don't know if it's if it's a quicker process in other parts of the world, but I feel like here that can be a slow process of of getting to that point of of death, of dying to yourself. I think that death to self has to do with lordship. Like it's mm. like receiving Jesus as Lord, because not we don't change overnight. No, you know. So I think. You know, there, of course, is grace. Like, it's not like anybody's like, hey, you need to be perfect. You need to have it all together and make no more mistakes for your whole walk in Jesus because you're dead to self and you're alive in him. It's like, that's foolish. That's ridiculous. There's still going to probably be sin in your life. There's still going to be issues you have to work through. There's still going to be stuff. And, and, and sometimes God, like, totally miraculously sets us free. But there's, there's absolute, you know, there's freedom. There's deliverance. There's all kinds of stuff. But then there's also, you know, learning the ways of God, the wisdom of God, renewing our mind, like walking in truth. And he, he sets us on that path. But when he's the Lord of our life, we submit to that process. When he's not the Lord of our life, we wrestle and we struggle to submit to that process. And ultimately, we, we really don't submit to that process. We kind of just come in. Yeah. We enter the door through the door thinking, okay. But we don't understand that like there isn't transformation. There isn't fruitfulness. There isn't anything until lordship takes place where he can guide us through that process of surrender, right? Like where we're really taking off the grave clothes, but you can't even begin to take off grave clothes till you rise from the dead and to rise from the dead, you got to die mm-hmm. first. Yeah. I think this is often why we get stuck for long periods of time and repetitive, you know, issues and, you know, Christians who kind of can't seem to move through, you know, different sin issues and different like bondage and different things. Um, I find that that often can be a reason or they're not seeing fruitfulness, you know, in their life. And um, we have to die all the way, Hmm. you know, in, in the ancient near East where, you know, where Passover takes place, which, you know, that we understand the Israelites were in Egypt, um, you know, and blood sacrifice was very common, you know, so not just among the Israelites, but just in every culture, blood sacrifice was very normal. Like today, not, not so much. But in that time, very common, very normal. And especially in Egypt, this was very much a practice. So, so the Israelites, when God was telling them how to sacrifice the lamb and what they're meant to do over the door of the home, this was not like the first time this has ever been done. Yeah, they were well-versed in they're well-versed. the formalities uh, surrounding that. They're well, yeah, they're well-versed in threshold sacrifice. 
particularly because anytime a new building, a home, um, you know, like government building, whatever was, was initiated in these ancient Near East cultures um, in many of them, there had to be blood sacrifice at the threshold. And so the threshold of the door would actually have a basin built into the bottom. Interesting. And so it's not even, it's not just like, okay, slaughter this lamb and then take some blood and put it on your door. Yeah. The lamb was slaughtered in the threshold of the door. Interesting. See, in Exodus, um, well, let me tell you more first so that there's even more context. So the the lamb would be sacrificed in the doorpost. But even more than that, in ancient Near East stuff like Egypt and all this, more often it was people sacrificed. It was human sacrifice. Yeah, that's that would be sacrificed to the house god or whoever the you know primary god either of the house or of the culture or whatever. But whoever the god was that that threshold sacrifice was made to was the god or the goddess that's protecting that home and that has authority over that home. And so when people would enter into that home, they're coming under the blood of that god. under the protection right when we preach about the blood like we don't even like we got to go deeper like they're coming under the blood as they enter that home now in order to enter the home you had to pass over you had to step over like to pass over literally means to like jump over you had to step over the blood and the threshold and that showed that you honored that god but to trample the blood underfoot right which we read about in hebrews 10 26 to 29 for those who trample the blood of Christ, right? It's talking about as you enter the threshold that you're not honoring the blood and you're not honoring the sacrifice, Mm. the threshold sacrifice of that house, of that home, of the God that rules in that territory. And so, yes, Jesus is the door Right, but his blood is the access in the threshold that we walk through. We must pass through the blood to walk through the door. Hmm. Right? In Exodus 12, 22, which now I'll touch on that a little bit more. So it says, dip the hyssop in the blood at the threshold and smear it on the doorposts. So it's like now that you have a picture, it's like now it makes sense. Like you dip it in the blood at the threshold, at the basin. Mm-hmm. And you put it on the door and it's signifying this house is under the protection of Yahweh. And so when death comes, it will have to pass over. Hmm. And so what does threshold even mean? You know, because to, th- to cross over the threshold, the threshold was the place of sacrificial death. It was the laying down of life that we might enter life right now that we have a further understanding of the lamb. And the lamb that was slain and even holding a highlighter. I'm such a good yeah. Bible person. <sighs> Bible. I'm like, look, I want to see what else I've highlighted. <laughs> um, but anyway, the lamb that was slain is our, you know, revelation of Christ. This is yeah. even why, you know, why we do Passover as a family and how powerful it is as we understand Jesus, the, the lamb who was slain, right? In Revelation, who is worthy to open the seals. Only the lamb that was slain, the final sacrifice. Um, guy was taking me into, you know, even thresh because all of us are, I mean, everybody I know, at least like, we're just in this season of threshing. Word. Thresh. Like God's just like, 
Like I sent somebody a meme the other day of like a plant being pruned and it's just like some guy with giant, you know, scissors and he's just, just cutting at like just everything. And as the plant that does not feel amazing. It is no. really difficult. Um, and as God, even like in the, in the Greek, you know, Hebrew, when we're talking about like to thresh something, right? The Bible often talks about threshing is to wheat, you know, as wheat is threshed, wheat is, is hit on the ground until that outer piece comes off, you know, the shaft where it talks about the shaft that the wind blows away, you know, mm-hmm. when, when you would uh, thresh wheat, you would hit it on the ground until that piece comes off and the wind would blow away the shaft so that the, the wheat berry is exposed, but then you can use the wheat berry because that mm-hmm. outer layer has been removed, right? Well, what is our outer layer? It's the flesh. It's, yeah. it's pride. It's us <laughs> being mm-hmm. removed so that we can be used by God so that we can be meaningful, valuable. If we keep on that case, we are protected from actually being useful, you know? And then what happens to the wheat berry? Well, it's crushed. <laughs> it's ground. Yay. Yeah. And then, it, and then what happens to it? Well, it's baked into bread and that's a whole nother, you know, thing. Bread is awesome though. So is we need yeah. it. Jesus yeah. actually himself refers to himself as bread. Mm-hmm. Amazingly. So, um, but we're in the threshing floor. Right. The, the threshing floor is like where you enter to the, th- you know, it's like everything's right now, this common theme of consecration, allowing God to cut off, allowing God to do deep work in us because he's bringing us to a place of purity. Mm-hmm. He's bringing us back to these basic understandings. You know, I think most most Christians these days, it'd be like, hey, explain to me, like, why the blood matters. What, you know? Well, I think people get it to like, it's, it's really distilled down to the like, okay, well, you know, he sacrificed himself for me, but it it, it, like, there's not, it took me a while to get a a full, not even, I mean, I'm still learning, getting revelation on the blood, obviously, but, but it took me a ways into my Christian walk to actually begin to even comprehend it beyond what I just said of, Oh, well, Jesus died for you. And obviously he shed his blood, but, but really beginning to understand the significance of blood um, is uh, I, yeah, it took a while. So I think there's a lot of Christians that are still in that camp of, I don't know, you know, he died and he was cut up. So he was bleeding, you know, right. You know, when you cut someone, they bleed. So the blood, you know, right. And it's yeah. like, we, we've got to, we've got to find a deeper place as the body. And I think this is also a piece of why God's bringing us back to basics. Mm-hmm. You know, th- these are basic things. These are well, there are basic things to the, to the people in the Bible that it was originally written to. And I think right. that's why it's so important to, we have to maybe do a little bit more work in terms of educating ourselves on these because cult- culture has changed so much, but right. you know, it's still not an excuse. No, it's not an excuse. And God has grace for us though. Like, Mm -hmm. but this is just another emphasis on why discipleship matters so much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And why reading the word, why like going to church is like, if you don't read your Bible, if you don't know the word, if you don't, you know, like the, the, like we've got to understand who we are, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that there's a purity in returning back 
to basic things that, you know, when Paul is speaking to the Corinthians and he's like, you know, I wish I could give you more, um, you know, deep teaching. In other words, he's like, I wish I could bring you into deep revelation, but you're kind of not understanding elementary stuff like resurrection from the dead. (laughs) Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give and become a partner today. Yeah. We're super elementary. That's basic kindergarten yeah. stuff. Yeah, you get yeah. milk, guys. Yeah, yeah, you just need milk, like resurrection from the dead. Like you're not. Yeah, it just makes me wonder though, like what kind of deep, like what was he talking about? Like, like deep no revelation, way. and also, yeah, I'm just like, I also he- just sometimes we'll sit there and think about it, like, okay, Jesus, we have the four gospels, and there's <laughs> a lot of cross, you know, there's a lot of stories that are are in each of the gospels, but he was with them for a long time and they spent a lot of time together. I'm like, what things did he tell them that they may not have even been permitted to share like (laughs) crazy stuff, you know? So anyways, side note. It's a great question. Uh, It is a great question. And like, I mean, the, I mean, what I think it's at the end of John where it says like, if all the stories were written, there wouldn't be, you know? So Mm -hmm. yeah, there's a lot that we'll have to ask in heaven. You know, we get Mm. to, basically so legit yeah so legit but i think some of the some of the conviction even of who we are and some of the conviction of who jesus is like it actually comes from depth of these basic revelations like the power of the blood of jesus the importance Mm. of the blood of jesus the importance of death into life like that our resurrection life is for now we enter into that when we enter into Christ and then it continues on until eternity. We don't die. Right. Like, and right. so even that perspective and how, how Jesus came to deliver us from the fear of death. Why? Because we can choose death to the old and we can enter into him. Hmm. And so at the threshold, you know, what is dealt with and this, this has to do with the times and the seasons. You know, because this is why on mass, right? There's sometimes something God is saying to you or God is saying to me. And it's just like for us in our season for where we're at. Sure. But you see that God has been dealing with the body of Christ corporately in different things. And this, when God was telling me about the three-year process, he said, I'm, this is the body that I'm taking through this three years. And I want them to enter. I want them to enter. But as we're coming up to the threshold of entering into a new season as the church, and what do I mean by new season as a church? I don't mean new revelation. I don't mean like, you know, we throw away all the things and it's, everything's new and you can, you know, look at other teaching I've done or other, other comments I have about that. I won't go into it right now, but the point is that we would follow him wherever he's leading us because we're in him. And because we have fully died to ourselves, the threshold is the place where God is dealing with anything that would keep us from dying. <laughs> mm. Right. As we approach this door, this is why the consecration, the, the seasons of pruning, the, the things that people are like, this, this is hurting. This is costing me. This is really hard. You know? And I, I mean, anything I have posted in regards to that, I've had like twice as much interaction with it. Because people are feeling this, like they really are going through it 
And many people are like, did I do something wrong? Like, I feel like all hell broke loose in my life. I feel like everything's being exposed. I feel, you know, and it's like, no, you didn't do anything wrong. This is where God has the body where he's purifying us. And so things that could fly, you know, three years ago, just can't fly anymore in our life. Right. You know, issues that, you know, there was like a, a season of mercy from God. He's like pulling that back and he's being like, hey, deal with it because he wants a pure church. He wants a pure and spotless bride. And so he's drawing us into purification. And how do we become pure through the blood that makes us righteous, right? The white robes make us righteous as pure as snow, as white as snow, because it's the cleansing of his blood. Yeah. It's interesting, Rama, because I, I look at, and I would agree with everything you just said. You know, we were talking backstage about this as well um, before the show. But, you know, for years, people have been crying out for revival and all this stuff, right? Which is really great. But as we are seeing now, I look at all this stuff the past couple of years of what's been happening internally within the body um, on an individual level, but also a collective level. Uh, as an answer to that prayer, but it's starting with the church being reoriented back to its roots. Um, Cause it's like, God is like, this is, if this is what we, if this is where we're going, this is what needs to happen first, you know? And I think that if we can shift our perspective to look at it in that, that, that tastes a little different, that hits a little different for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, judgment begins in the house of God Mm -hmm. first. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, when we, when we talk about the mass harvest that's coming, which is real, yeah, that's real. That's coming. There is mass revival that's going to sweep this earth, mass harvest of souls. But do we really want that even initiated so we can throw all those new beautiful babies into dysfunctional families. How about we fix us first? Mm-hmm, please. <laughs> like we're crying please out for revival, our first prayer is do it in me. Yeah. Do it in us because we're a little like off, you know, mm-hmm. and so I want to be a healthy family. And that's why God is calling many leaders, calling many of us. Hey, like, how's your family? How's, The core of things, like everything's coming back to the core, the cores, the basics, the importance, because he's wanting the nets that won't break, right? He wants to pour all those fish into the, into the John 20, I think it's John 20 nets, you know, not the, I think it's Luke five nets, the ones that break versus the ones that do not break. He wants the fish in the nets that will not break where they're all pulled to shore, not where there's this abundance, but then the net breaks and the fish are lost, you know? And so in order to see and sustain the reforming work that God's wanting to do on the earth, I think that we've, we have to focus on the nets and that's, you know, part of why I talk about, you know, the new wineskin a lot and how God is shifting our structures, our culture, our values, all these things. But, you know, obviously Christ is at the center of all of that, but we also need to change our ways so that as the fish start coming into the net supernaturally, that we can keep them. Yeah. 
that it's a safe net. So God's been really, um, you know, speaking to me as well, just in this topic, right. About judgment and just about like, what, what is judgment? Because we, you know, we, we get scared about that word sometimes like, you know, judgment and that's scary, but even God's judgment in our lives and, and in the church and all of that, like, it's actually just the removal of mercy Hmm. so that your own consequences begin to actually manifest Hmm. (laughs) the mercy of God withholds judgment, right? The mercy of God keeps back what we deserve, right? That's how we understand mercy. It keeps back what actually should happen as a result of sin in our life, as a result of choices, as a result of the way we live as a result. And so we've been living in such a season of mercy that we've begun to think that that's like normal. Hmm. And so as mercy almost like pulls back, we begin to feel the weight of our consequences, the weight of sin, the weight of these things in our life. And that presses us to deal with those things, right? Because God's like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I want you to deal with this without my mercy being totally lifted because then the consequences are fully manifested. Hmm. Right. And so when God's bringing the body through seasons of purification, this is why the refining fire, right. It's so that it's so that we come through the fire as ones who are tested and who have lasting eternal reward Mm -hmm. for our life. Right. When the Bible talks about judgment, there's different kinds of judgment. We know there's a great white throne judgment where we all stand before Christ uh, or sorry, where um, the unbelievers stand before the father, you know, and the sheep and the goats are separated. Right. The, or the nations, that's the nation. But where, you know, unbelievers are thrown to the lake of fire, blah, blah, blah. We don't have to talk about that right now. But I'm talking about the Bema seat of judgment, which is actually for the believers, which is the judgment seat of Christ. And so in second or in first Corinthians nine. It talks about the Bema seat, which is the judgment seat of Christ. Now, the Bema seat is modeled after, you know, that, uh, you know, the Greek Roman culture where they would have a judgment seat during athletic games. And so the one presiding over athletic games was basically the one observing how the contestants run the race, right? So then when Paul refers to run your race, to receive the crown, to receive the prize, right? Like this, this is the, the concept that he's drawing from is this athletic game where people would play in order to receive reward, right? So the one sitting on the Bema seat, it wasn't to judge like who's kicked out of the game, but it was more to observe who is playing by the rules, who is doing what they're meant to do in the game so that they can be presented with reward, right? So it's testing and reward that Jesus judges in the life of believers. Like in 2 Corinthians 5.10, where it says, we all must appear before the Bema, the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So the judgment of believers and then what endures the fire of that judgment, the refining fire, right? Refining fire in this life saves us from judgment fire in that life, because what happens in or not in that life, but in that age to come, Mm -hmm. what happens in the judgment of Christ is things burn up. And what remains is what had eternal value. God is wanting to bring the body into a place where we are living for eternal value. Right. And when Paul talks about in first Corinthians three, 
you know, be careful what you build with wood, hay, straw, or are you building with precious stones, things that are going to last through the fire? Because when God looks at our works, when Jesus is looking at what we have done, our hope is that what we have done honored him and we will receive a reward. The Bible talks about rewards, you know, like even Jesus himself talks about rewards. Revelation twenty two twelve, he says, look, I'm coming soon and my reward is with me. I will give to each person according to what they have done. Right. So the Bible talks about crowns in all kinds of places, the crowns that we receive as rewards, a crown of righteousness, a crown. Right. Like there's the, the crowns were placed on the head of the victors, the people who finished the race, right? Who won the game. And so we don't live a life in Christ to do, right? We understand we've had a lot of revelation that the being comes before doing. The doing comes out of obedience. And that's what, that's the Lordship that he's, he's bringing us into the place of full, all the way death. <laughs> in Yay. The <laughs> so that we'll follow him. And the pressure that's going to come from the world is going to bring a new purity in the church. You know, um, hmm. do you know that um, I'll, I'll just share this as one last thing because I'm looking at the time, but on um, August 22nd of this year, I was, I was uh, sitting and I, I saw God bring a piece of fabric like out in front and I saw him tear the fabric like this and he tore it in half. And he said, the fabric of the church is about to tear from top to bottom. And he said, and it will expose what we're made of. And then it took me to Mark 2, which we quote a lot in, you know, new wineskin movements or whatever. You know, you can't put new wine in old wineskin. Right. Right. But he took me to verse 21, which is prior to that which talks about the unshrunk cloth. So it's the unshrunk patch of cloth that was put onto an old garment. And then as soon as that garment, you know, is washed or whatever, that the cloth will pull apart because they have different, you know, one has been washed, one has not been washed. Mm -hmm. And so it will actually pull apart and it will create a worse tear or a worse, uh, you know, situation with the garment, the tear. And so it will separate. And then he took me to Leviticus. You couldn't blend wool and linen together when making garments. This was a part of the Levitical law. Um, Now, even though it's a law, it's also really foolish to make a garment out of wool and linen because they have different purposes. Linen keeps you cool in the heat. Wool keeps you hot in the cold. The, The shrinking properties are different. If you were to blend something with wool and linen, and you add water to it, what would happen? It would just become like a ball of mess. Like it would totally lose its form. It has no purpose. So not only should you not blend wool and linen, but it would be really foolish to do so. Right. So in both cases, God was showing me that whether, you know, you add a patch of fabric, a new fabric to mend an old tear, or you sew together two different threads, it will actually look fine at first. Think about it. If I take like some linen cloth and some, wool cloth and I just put them together, same size and sew it together. And I take 
a tear in an old garment and I take a new piece of unshrunk cloth and I sew it onto the garment. I can put both in front of you and I can say, these things are fine. Right. They haven't been tested yet though. They haven't been tested. Yeah. And so the thing that's introduced is a catalyst and the catalyst, which is water in this case, it affects the fabrics and it exposes what they're made out of. Yeah. Right. And so the tearing is actually to divide. God is pushing things to the surface, but he's also wanting to bring ones who at the moment are not like, we really haven't given our lives to Jesus. We're just kind of in the church. Mm. Like he's really this threshold time, right? This season we're coming into as a church, he's wanting us to lay down everything. He's wanting us to purify ourselves to lay down our agendas, to let go of old things, you know, to allow him to truly become Lord in our lives. There's a lot more I could teach about that, which I do a longer teaching in my YouTube, but mm. the, the main point um, that I'll end with is in Mark two, when it goes on to verse 22, you know, which is the verse we quote more frequently, you know, no one pours new wine into the old wineskins. Right. It's the point is that the old and the new are not compatible even though you can make it seem like they go together, but the catalyst that's introduced, which the old, you know, the new wine that's in the old wine skin, the catalyst that's introduced, right. Is the fermentation as it expands, it cracks the wine skin because the wine skin is not oiled. It doesn't have the elasticity to expand with the wine. And so it cracks, it breaks open, it spills the wine. And so the main point in both was that, Two, you know, two different things can appear to, to go together. But as that catalyst comes, they're not able to stay connected because mm-hmm. the properties are different. Yeah. And so God is really wanting us, like as we enter into this next season as, as the church, you know, capital T, he's really wanting us to return to him, to return to Jesus, to make sure that as he's addressing things and putting his finger on things in our life that we're responding that we're obeying his voice and don't be surprised about the things that he's pulling to the surface because we're coming into a glorious day. Don't allow fear to be like, Oh, the pressure of the world, the pressing, the sifting that's happening. The sifting is so that he can have a glorious church. Hmm. The sifting is so that we can come into a time of reformation and revival and power and glory where the devil truly has nothing in us, as Jesus says in the garden. So God is wanting to purify us so that we can be pure and spotless, but so that others can come in. And so he's bringing us into a time of entry, you know, so that's this, the year of the open door. This is a time, this is purity. He's purifying us. And so the pruning can be painful, but it's God. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, I guess in, in closing, uh, obviously there's going to be things that we're in the process of. Do you see that? Like this isn't to me. I'll, I'll say you where where I'm kind of looking at this from. This isn't a. This isn't that we're trying to like try and be perfect and do all these things and I have to get everything out of the way. Like I I do think it's possible that as God is moving and doing these big things and we're being ushered into those things that there will still be things that we're in process with. But the thing is that the important thing is that you're actively engaged and you're actively caring. Is this correct? Is this a correct way of looking at this? Absolutely. 
Like I'm dealing with stuff in my life. Like who's not dealing with stuff in their life. I don't know if we'll ever attain to like, you know, where where Jesus says, be perfect as I'm perfect. Right. It's like, be holy. Um, You know, as we come closer to him, we become more like him and we're, we're going to become closer to him forever. Right. The real difference is, will I humble myself? Will I submit to lordship? Will I obey? Mm. And that requires real death. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's interesting because I've actually been really looking at, God has had me stuck in Romans chapter six, like to the point where he's like, I want you to memorize, like actually memorize it. Um, and so, and it's specifically in pertaining to like baptism and baptism means death. Like, like a lot of times in the church, we're like, oh, and when you're baptized, it symbolizes dying and then rising again. I'm like, not according to Romans six, according to Romans six, it actually says you're dead, you know, like, and I'm like, you know, and it says, and he says, if we've been united with Christ in a death like this, we will certainly be reunited with him in a resurrection like this because anybody who die has died has, they're no longer slaves to sin, you know? And just like, dude, like, so I've been really unpacking that lately, but that's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's very much in step with what you're talking about. So, you know, yeah, that verb in that scripture to baptize, it's the verb baptizo, which is a Greek word for pickling. Okay. I'm a pickle. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it, it literally means that like, once you go into the solution, you are transformed into a different thing. You're never, yeah. you're never able to be the same again. Right. And yeah. All right. Well, Rayma, I would love for you to pray, pray for people. Cause I know there's a lot, this is a lot, um, but I, to me, this is like a, um, I know it was a lot and it was, it was, it was heavy, but I, it's necessary. And I think, yeah. um, you know, I would love for you to pray, pray for people. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Father God, I just thank you so much for your church. Mm. I thank you for those who are found in you, who love you. Um, I pray God that as we enter into this season with you, that you would reveal in us the things that need to be revealed, that we would submit to your pruning process in our life, that we would submit to the threshold that you have us in, that we would be refined by your fire, God, that you would lead us into new life. And we thank you, Jesus, that life is only found in you and that you are the only door. And we pray, God, that as we come into this new season, that you would be with us, God, and that you would strengthen those who are feeling the fire and who are feeling the struggle. In Jesus' name, mm-hmm. amen. Amen. Rama, how can people follow you? You're always releasing new, new words, um, uh, sometimes short, sometimes long. So how can people follow you as you, uh, you continue to do that and all that good stuff? Yeah, I mean, um, my Instagram is my name. My Facebook is my name. My website is my name. It's just so trademark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trademark Rama trainer across the board. It's all the same. So yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, Rama, thank you so much. It's always so great. I just love like what you bring to the table and uh, very much have a finger on the pulse of just, I, I feel like really what I know you're not the only one. I know there's a lot of people that are associated with you. Other people talking about this too, but um, I just think this is, this is it. This is, this is what 
God is calling the church to do right now in this season. So thank you so much for everything you bring. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Yeah. See you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody have a blessed day. Tune in tomorrow. We've got uh, Monday Martin back on. It's going to be great. So that's at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Also, elijahstreams.com slash donate is how you guys donate. All proceeds go towards keeping this free. But you get the double whammy. You get in on the water well efforts that we're doing in Uganda, Ethiopia, Nepal, even here in America amongst First Nations people. Amazing stuff because of your guys' donations. So we love you guys. And we'll see you tomorrow, 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Okay, bye. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today. Thank you.